Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRIR. I'm Alex Gary. And I'm Bobby Howe. Hi, Bobby. I think it's funny. We did the same thing this time that we did last time, and we're not even recording the last two episodes back to back. We did the welcome back again instead of welcome to. We used to do. I know. It's a lot. Hey, we have a new consistency. We're assuming that we're welcoming back everybody and that we've not picked up any new listeners. We're just welcoming back our regular listeners who are here with us today because we're both riding the struggle bus pretty hard today in the like three minutes we've been together. I can tell we're both struggling pretty bad today. So fully, fully, but it's a, it's only, well, okay. So let's just start with the fact that I decided to take the day off. So Sarah has Fridays off in the summers, okay. oh, well, but not the whole summer. This is her last Friday off. Okay. And so, and I've been going a million miles a minute, uh, for the last six weeks and, you know, beyond of course too, but for the last six weeks in particular, and I was like, I should take the day off and actually hang out with Sarah. Yeah. Um, knowing that of course I was going to have to record a podcast in the middle of the day, but tried to do it from home can be kind of difficult when you're not used to doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I remembered my microphone, which is a miracle in and of itself, because half the time I forget my microphone. And I remember the microphone, but unfortunately when I was carrying the microphone out of my office, the little bracket that holds it up must have fallen off. Mm-hmm. So it is balancing delicately on my knee. And, and so that's we may my have to struggle. put up... We may have to put up a photo of the entire bracket. It's not just like a regular little Yeti mic that's on a little podium that sits on your desk. Like this is an actual big, huge arm and it's got a bracket. Like it's, it's a good, like five feet, probably maybe four feet. Like that by the time you pick the bins and all of that. And it's a very large microphone stand. And Alex is delicately balancing it on his leg while we're zooming. And we're me and Amber just looking at him like, well, it'd be easier just to hold the microphone, but no, you say it's perfectly balanced. It's good. It seems better to use the arm because I'm, a, I'm afraid that you'll hear my hand holding the microphone. Mm. We are hearing you like when you move just a little bit, it's picking up a little bit more than it normally does. I wonder that that little, that tiny bracket does like a lot more than we just real. It does. It does more than just hold the microphone to the table. I think. Wow. There's a metaphor somewhere in there somewhere, but I'm not going to find it today. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. You talk about Sarah having Fridays off. You took today off and now you're kind of like, well, I took today off, but I'm not really getting today off. And no, I've been this- answering emails all day so far and I'm recording a podcast. So it's yeah. not day off. Well, that's what I, with my coaching calls and my other stuff, I always leave my Tuesdays and my Fridays open. Those are my two days. And that, that if stuff needs to reschedule, they can go to those days. But I, I really try to mostly keep my Fridays open because you just never know. Well, I ended up having, we got, we got our podcast recording today. I've got three coaching calls afterwards. I had another call this morning and I'm, I migrained yesterday and I'm still coming out of it today. Like I'm not, I'm probably still migrating if we're honest, but I'm just, I'm out of it. And I'm just like, yeah, it's a Friday. And yet here we are with a full day of things when it normally it's an off day, as I say in air quotes, cause that's not actually a thing. So so while you were saying all of that, Amber sent me a message. And it said, does sound you, so much better. Does it sound better? It said, can you double check that the mic is facing the right way? Mm-hmm. And so I had to awkwardly shift and it sounds better now. 
And I kept talking because I could see that you were still moving the microphone. So I added extra words. We are that good now, Alex. We're we just... so good. We are in sync. Okay, so I have a question for you because you talked about how Sarah has Fridays off during the summer, but not the full summer. Have we ever talked about what Sarah does? Do we know this? Do we know what Sarah's uh, job is? She does payroll coordination for the Spring Hill School District. So she handles payroll for Spring Hill. Awesome. And when uh, all the teachers are, you know, away, mm -hmm. she gets to have the, uh, you know, there isn't as much to do, I guess. So a lot of the staff uh, gets to have Fridays off. But the thing is, is that they balance everything out so that you have 10 hour days the other four days. Oh. So that sucks. Mm. Yeah. So, so she's not really getting time off. She's just, no. we're doing it differently. Yes. Allocating our hours differently. Yes. And, and then to make things more interesting, this last day, this last week of having uh, uh, Fridays off, Margot was, had to be at home because too many kids in her, uh, in her uh, nursery got uh, COVID. Oh, yeah. So we've had Margot at home. And so Aww. Sarah's been working, working from home as best as she can. Yeah. And so Margot, Margot doesn't have COVID. Margot already had COVID. Margot had COVID when she was like 10 days old. Um, so she's, she's fine, but uh, all the other little littles in there are, are sick. So no fun. You know, I've been hearing a lot of people though, recently, like way more than ever before. Actually, I don't remember anybody ever before doing this, but I've been in the last like month, the number of people that I've talked to or heard stories of who are catching COVID a second time. Well, they've maybe had it multiple times, but they're catching it a second time within that 90 day time frame when supposedly you can't get it again during those 90 days. Right. I'm a huge number of people are like, yep, I got it again within 90 days. Some people, there was one person who got it they tested negative multiple days in a row. And then like, it was like 15 days later, they tested positive again. Whoa. Yeah. We've got a really exciting episode today. I'm so excited for our episode. We're kind I of burying the lead. Everybody's hearing us talk about all this crap and we're really burying the lead here. We have an incredible guest today. Yeah. I've, we've been waiting a couple of years to get her on. And if they've read the title, they already know. So we're just talking in circles I know. again. You know, my, my favorite part about this is that this is going to be the easiest episode that we've ever recorded because I'm pretty sure you just like, you can ask one question to Lee and yep. she's going to take it the whole rest of the episode. Yeah. She can talk like nobody's business about, well, she just goes and she's amazing. She's inspirational. She is straight to the point. And still fills so much time with incredible information. I, there isn't, there's hardly anybody else like her. Yeah. I mean, she even teaches people how to speak. She has speaker book camps, boot camps that you can come to, and you can learn to speak like Lee, Lee Brown. That's who we're talking about. If you haven't figured it out yet, we're talking about one of my dear friends, a uh, former employer, funny story. So after my mom passed away, um, I became a virtual assistant for a few uh, agents across the country as I was trying to figure out if I stay in real estate, if I don't. My little boy was four months old at the time, and I didn't really want to be like selling real estate full time until I figured out what I was doing. And uh, Lee Brown actually hired me as her marketing director. And so for like a year, year and a half, I was actually Lee's marketing director. So I wrote all the 
property descriptions for all of her properties. I put them on her website. I did a whole bunch. I wrote blog posts for her on her behalf and just stuff like that. So, um, but Lee is just a good friend of mine. So I'm really excited, but she's a, she's a podcaster herself and I'm sure she'll talk about it. I'll let her promote that. And then, um, national speaker, national realtor. I actually just got an email from her. I don't know. I've lost track of days this week. She's going to be installed in January of 2023 as the North Carolina realtors president and um, got an invite to her installation, which will be amazing and fun. So cool. Yeah. Well, we're really lucky to have gotten uh, Lee on the podcast today, uh, but I bet that you've got something uh, to do, do before we bring Lee on. I do. Yeah. Are you impressed that I remembered without you having to like do some kind of weird like hand signal? What's really funny is I just grabbed it because I was getting ready to that if you did remember, I was going to like show it on the screen to like to remind you without me saying anything actually out loud. We're we're so on today, even oh, though we, we are. were struggling at the beginning. We're just we're with it. Do 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 Bobby's book bit. Casey. It was an extra special rare. That's, a, that's, a, that's a Lee Brown rare <laughs> because my book bit today is Peeling the Onion by Lee Brown. So, I mean, if you're going to have a guest on who's actually a published author, she actually has three, four, seven. I don't know how many books. I think there's three. There might be more than three. Um, outrageously Authentic. Oh, I can't remember that one. And Peeling the Onion. It's, I'm gonna, it's gonna bother me. We'll have to go back and edit this back in when Bobby remembers what the other books are. But uh, so I read Peeling the Onion. This actually came out, she actually was writing this. It was supposed to come out right before COVID and then COVID happened and all of that stuff. So it's actually been sitting on my shelf to read. And once I knew we were having Leon, I was like, perfect time to get the book read. It's not a long read. You'll get through it in an hour or two. It's a great read, but Peeling the Onion, um, it talks about bringing your relationships layer by layer, like you're peeling back an onion. And my quote from the book is getting to a real relationship is like peeling on an onion to reach that sweet inner core. You have to peel the onion layer by layer. You have to take the risk of crying and accept that the effort brings its own rewards. And I really like that quote. I feel like it's appropriate. It's the you might have to cry, but the reward in the end is worth it. It was a thing we went yesterday to a, a seminar I sat in and the, the speaker with, that was presenting, he said, you know what, like talking about like lead generation, even though that's not what we're talking about right now, said, you know, no one likes to do that activity, but they like the results. It's just like doing setups. Nobody actually likes to do setups. They like the results. And this is the same thing is that when we go and we're building relationships, we've got to peel it back layer by layer. It might be hard to do, but it's worth it because we like the results in the end. So my three lessons from the book, the first one is social media isn't the solution. It's the problem. Um, and it's, we've, try to act like social media has become a substitute for human interaction, but it's not. Uh, research shows that we feel lonelier than ever. 58% blame it on the increase in the use of technology and 54% of Americans feel like no one actually knows them well. There were some interesting uh, loneliness facts in the book and it talked about that loneliness, living alone, and poor social connections are as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes per day. And loneliness is likely to increase your risk of death by 29%. I found those two statistics on loneliness and the fact that we actually feel alone, even though we're surrounded by people more than ever. I found that very interesting. 
And then there was another fact in the book that talked about the least technologically developed places have the lowest suicide rates, while Japan has suicide as the leading cause of death for males between 20 and 44 and females from 15 to 34. And that's just crazy to me. Um, And then the second um, lesson from the book was small talk, open the floodgates to deeper conversations. And she talks about, you know, she's from the South, uh, obviously she's from Charlotte, North Carolina and growing up and going to church potlucks. And you knew when you were going to the church potluck, you were going to have to have small talk with a lot of other people. And that small talk has uh, essentially become a lost art because we don't really know how to connect with people anymore. And so she gives some tips on that. She talks about um, proper handshakes, proper eye contact, and even lists a few like icebreaker questions just to get someone else talking about themselves and to get that small talk conversation flowing. And then that leads into the third lesson is talking to people and sharing things that not everyone knows is that we need to go back to reconnecting with our old friends, people we went to high school and college with that we're using social media too much just to see the highlight reel of their lives, but that's the perfect version of their life they're putting out there. That's not the true person who might be dealing with a lot of other things. She talks about the lost art of sending a handwritten note or simply picking up the phone just to call someone instead of always texting or sending Facebook messages. And she talks about, we need to pay attention to others and reach out. If we see some sort of cry for help, or even just some sort of sad thing going on in their life, we need to be reaching out to them and say, can I be there for you? What can I do for you? And then she ends the book talking about in our average lifespan, we will spend 13 years at work. Like if we all took all the hours and added them up, we'd have 13 solid years of our life. We spend working 24 seven. We'll spend about five and a half years of our life on social media, and we will only spend 328 days of our entire life socializing with friends, which is really, really scary. So it's time to put down the social media and actually spend real time with real friends. Such a great book bit. And so we're going to talk to Lee about professional courtesies. And again, I'm really excited because- this is actually a topic I haven't heard her talk speak on before. Yeah. And so I'm really excited about that. I've heard her talk a lot about RPAC. Now I have a little bit of uh, knowledge about what she says about social media. And now we're going to learn about professional courtesies. Bobby, I'm a little disappointed, though, when you did the quote from the book that you didn't try to do it in Lee's voice. Yeah, I can't do uh, that. You can't yeah, do I, that. I, okay. I won't ever pick up on her Southern accent ever. And I'm not <laughs> even going to try because it would be rude. <laughs> Should we go get Lee? We should go get Lee and bring her on in. Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRIR. We are here with our good friend, Lee Brown, out of Charlotte, North Carolina. They, Alice was asking me why, when I did my favorite quote from your book, why I didn't attempt to do your accent. And I was like, because no one can do the Lee Brown accent. Did you so, say Alice? Because I had to introduce my husband to one of my favorite songs from college. Who the is Alice? Do you remember that song? No. Uh, it's very inappropriate. We can't play it here on the realtor though. But for any realtors who have a sense of humor, which it should be most of you, there is a song. I have to tell you the name of it. It's Who the is Alice by Smokey. 
<laughs> I will have to look that up. We, you know, it's funny. We introduced my son to Weird Al Yankovic yesterday, so we're we're going down that stream of teaching. Him I got Timmy accordion for his birthday. That was his 16th birthday present. Was an accordion. Oh, I love that. Oh That's awesome. Found it at a pawn shop, and my son collects instruments, and so. Now we have seven instruments in his room at the house. It has its own insurance policy. It's a, wait a minute, we're off topic. Sorry. <laughs> oh no, we do that anyways. All right. Why so, would you do that to yourself? Get your son an accordion? That's worse than a drum set. No, it's actually not because he picked it up and he started playing it right away. And I don't know yeah. if you watch the RFD network on cable, but there's an RFD channel and there's this show on Friday nights called Molly B's Polka Party. And <laughs> we love watching Molly B's Polka Party. And she plays in Oklahoma. She's got a big tour right now in Iowa and Minnesota. And I'm dying to go to the polka party because I want to be on TV with all the old people dancing. And there's always like two widows dancing together because their husbands are dead. It's the best show ever. And I can't explain to you why it's so good. And you look, you're going to go look it up now and go watch your polka party. I will. What, what I'm thinking though, Lee, is because your invite, your save the date for your installation just came out this week. I, I, I filled it out and that's on a Thursday. So now my brain's thinking yes. if I stay till Friday, I can come to the Brown family home and watch polka party with you guys. I mean, it's entirely possible. And then it's like, do you remember the show MST3K that was on Comedy Central a while back with the oh, guy yeah, yeah. with robots that watched old science fiction? Mm -hmm. That's us watching Molly B's Polka Party. We are commentary about all the dancers and the old people. And there's always like some old guy standing up at the stage kind of flirting with Molly B and some old lady who's like a super fan at Polka. It's it's so good. But anyway, yes, I'll be state president next year. And I'm so excited to be uh, at the front of the room. And I think I have who in Kansas? Thomas. I have Thomas in Kansas next year as my co-conspirator president. I love it. And you'll have Andrea Sheridan from Missouri side. As That's your right. Andrea is Missouri and Thomas is Kansas and Krista's Iowa. Oh, you're going to have a good group. It's a really good group. I wish I could remember Oklahoma because that's region nine too, but I can't remember who that is. Yeah. And uh, Arkansas is down there too, but I, we don't, we don't, don't pay attention to Arkansas very much. It's okay. We don't, it's fine. They'll be okay. Okay. I mean, Mike Ford is like my bestie. So right. he's a long time ago, president. Hmm. Yeah. That's, we just, we remember Mike. We remember a few others. The other one's like, yeah, they'll show up. They'll do their thing. It's fine. Mike's no my favorite Democrat and I'm his favorite Republican. And so uh -huh. like, that's our, we, we are the realtor party, the two of us. I love it. I love it. All right. So we officially brought you on to talk about professional courtesies. And right there, you, you, Mike Ford being your favorite Democrat, you being Mike's favorite Republican, that actually is a professional courtesy in and of itself. I kind of love it. But um, let's talk a little bit about the, the complaint we hear most about professional courtesies is just the lack of communication amongst agents. And what do you think is causing these communication issues and what can we do to improve them? Which Me? actually kind of comes back to pull up uh, peeling the onion without planting it. These poisonous little devices have ruined our communication mm -hmm. because they are making us too available, which because in real estate, burnout is a real problem. When you're always available, you don't want to be available at all. And so we're totally allergic to them. And it's it's causing real problems. I was recording episodes from my podcast earlier today, and I was talking to an early career realtor. She's been in for a year and a half. And I said, well, you know, what's the crazy thing in real estate that has surprised you? And she said, nobody will return a phone call. And I'm like, and you're a, you're an early career realtor. You're spotting this already. Mm -hmm. And 
I think there's there's a couple of things at play. The first one I do think is burnout. The COVID era has just exhausted realtors beyond belief because in an era of no inventory in a white hot market, you don't get a day off. I mean, even if you think it's a day off, the stupid hot sheet buzzes and you're like, oh, oh it's a perfect house. Oh. And then you go to make a showing like this and you're like, there's, there's one appointment left and it's at 3.15. There goes my day and you book it. And so they're already strung out and then they have to write an offer and they got to send it to the other agent. The other agent doesn't acknowledge the email, the text, the phone call or nothing. And so they're mad at the other agent, forgetting that the other agent is also exhausted and burned out and hasn't had a day off either. And so I think the breakdown in communication also comes from a lack of ability to understand that other people feel as stressed out as you do. And so we, we go into avoidance mode. And so the easiest thing to do to fix it, I think, is matching communications. I like it to, I can be tacky for Casey Rar because you people already know me, but there's this old phrase that says, does the carpet match the drapes? And I think what that means is, does the email match the email? And does text match text? I think we've been defining it wrong all these years. As Alex turns four shades of red over there, this is the best thing to watch on camera ever, but it's the reality. So if I get a text, I should respond with a text. And if I receive a phone call, I should respond with a phone call mm -hmm. and same thing with email, but the mismatch happens when I call an agent and I, I get the voicemail you have reached is full, which is a whole different level of frustration, mm -hmm. but then they text me back. If I get anything back at all, and I'm like, dude, I called you. I could have solved this in 25 seconds, but no, you want to turn this into 47 texts where we can't understand each other anyway. And you never sent me the disclosures because you didn't put it in MLS. So we can start with a matching of communication types. And we also marry that with a little bit of grace for the fact that everybody's burned out. And what bothers me the most, Bobby, is going into this right now. We are looking at a profession full of burned out people who everybody thinks have made money hand over fist and they have not made money hand over fist in the last two and a half years. And the market is changing so quickly. I mean, it changed fast in the last recession. The day the phone stopped ringing was a day. Everybody's phone stopped ringing. This one, it's not even that the phones just stopped ringing. It's the phones are still ringing with different questions, but days on market is doing this. And list price to sales price ratio is doing this. And the percentage increase in price is still creeping up because we have the support factor underneath of still not having enough rooftops. But agents don't know what to do and they need to be proactive right now. They need to be proactive on behalf of their sellers and their buyers, but they're so burned out they can't do it. And it's, mm -hmm. it's a real disconnect right now that it, it worries me for the good realtors. I don't worry about the mediocre ones. I'm just going to lay that out there. The mediocre ones, I'm fine if they turn their license in and, and go do something else. That's fine. But I don't want to lose the amazing realtors whose hearts are so focused on providing a personalized experience to their clients, to giving them the best possible outcomes. We need them in the game right now because the shift that's happening requires a top professional to help people get through it. Well, I think that another big piece of this is that when we get frustrated with the person that's on the other side of the transaction, and then we turn around and we start talking to our client about how frustrated we are with that other person on the other side of the transaction or their client, I, obviously, I hope that the, the great agents out there don't do that, but we all know that those people are in our marketplaces. And it's, it's so fr frustrating. How do you 
when, that's a situation that I feel happens on a regular basis. People are too transparent with the uh, with their clients about the friction that there may be between the two agents. How do you solve that if you're on the other end of that kind of a situation? Well, each one of us agreed when we became a realtor to where they are, that we would be bound by the code of ethics. And I get really frustrated when people say they subscribe to it because you may as well subscribe to a magazine you're never going to read. That's not the same thing as being bound by it. And we said we would not say ugly things about each other. That's, that's the Lee Brown version of what the code of ethics says. And we violate it all the time. And our excuse is, but they suck. Well, that doesn't mean you get to talk smack about them. And so I asked, actually, I asked this in the class on Wednesday. I was in Destin, Florida. And I asked them, you know, do y'all talk shit about other agents? And they're like, oh, no, never, not us. Mm -hmm. I said, how many of y'all got 40 offers on a listing a year ago? You know, every hand went up. And I said, how many of you went through the 40 offers and said, this agent sucks. This one's a moron. This one can't even write an offer. She don't know how to fill nothing in. Her clients ain't never buying nothing. And they all went, they all shrunk down because they've been doing it because it's been, it seems easy, but it's lazy. It's lazy to say poor things about other people. And instead, as a professional realtor, you get 40 offers. It's all right, let's sort these out by Purchase price or dates? Which one do you want to sort on by? Let the client tell you how to sort it. You don't have to put your commentary in on every agent that submitted an offer. And you also don't have to do it online in these Facebook groups that we have for realtors online where they can say, I need a home inspector. You also don't need to go in there and say, y'all need to put better pictures in your listings and you suck. Because here's where it goes down to, to the consumer level. How many of us have had a buyer or seller that said, I hate realtors? And you're like, and like, oh, except you. I love you. The rest of them suck. Did they come to that conclusion because we're so busy saying we're the only one who knows what we're doing? And, and I'll be fair. I was that realtor in 07, 08, 09 when our market was going right down the mountain. And I was at the front of figuring out short sales and I was killing it. I'm moving up the rankings and market share in Charlotte. And I thought every other agent was a complete and utter moron. And I wasn't afraid to say so. Well, you need a dose of humility when your head gets that big. As my head was big, just like other people's have gotten there too. But you have to realize that without the other professionals in the market, you can't do real estate because none of us can handle all the buyers and all the sellers. So then you realize the code of ethics is actually protecting us from ourselves because if we're talking smack about our colleagues, they're not going to want to show our listings. They're not going to want to entertain our offers. So maybe just maybe if we're nicer to each other, then our clients will benefit from the collegial relationships that should make us all better. You know, I think somewhere along the way, we forget that the MLS is a cooperative agreement, which means right. we need to be cooperative with our competition, which is just the craziest thing. But it's like, when you're out there acting a fool all the time and acting like Lee is my competition, she's a piece of crap, da, 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 da. Well, now when my client really wants Lee Brown's property, Lee's going to remember the way that I've been treating her all along and that I didn't view, you know, that did I view Lee as competition or did I view as having a cooperative relationship with Lee that we all got to get to that same finish line together. And I feel like everything that's going on with professional courtesies is always whenever the market's doing crazy stuff and there's a few people not well not a few people a lot of people not doing any real estate so they don't have anything else better to do but to na -na 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 at each other um but i also feel like it's a greater um reflection of what's going on in our society right now and that we're just all real rude to each other are are, are 
What are your feelings on that? People just being rude to each other right now. It's why I don't go into comment threads. There is nothing productive to be found in a comment thread. Mm -hmm. And if you are tangled up in a comment thread, you need to turn off your device. Like mine is sitting here upside down right now. I leave my phone upside down so that it doesn't pollute my focus and it doesn't pollute my thinking. We all need to get back to that because the things that we say behind a keyboard are seldom anything we'd say to somebody's face. And we see this, we see it in realtor world. I mean, even if a realtor listening or watching this is not involved in realtor politics, so you don't volunteer or any of that stuff, you just happen to tune in because you're curious. Well, it happens in realtor politics. People are very nice in the boardroom and then they go into the hallways and start, and there's no need for that. We don't allow our kids to do it. I don't let my kids say ugly things. I expect them to be kind. And then what do I do? I go out into realtor world and I experience adults behaving really poorly so let's just all go back to what our grandmothers taught us if you don't have something nice to say don't say anything mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean that you put up with bad behavior it just means that instead of you spouting off you do that Mel Robbins thing where you count the five right isn't that her thing the five mm -hmm. second rule or whatever and be chill for one second what the other party will do sometimes is retract it because they realize they went too far I give people room to retract it I've had the ugliest things said about me and it's primarily because I ran for office twice. And so the ugly things I've experienced in realtor politics are very similar to what you experience in retail politics, but it's laziness. Laziness is what causes people to lash out. When they have a purpose and they have a passion behind what they do, they actually don't have the energy to be ugly. And so for any realtor who gets tangled up in that, ask yourself if you're busy enough. If you're not busy enough, take another class. If you've learned something in that class, then go take something else. Go preview, go visit with a builder, go talk to a general contractor and learn exactly how a bathtub is installed and go occupy yourself. The same thing we do with toddlers. I think anybody that's ever raised a toddler, when you leave them alone and they get quiet, that's a problem. When realtors are talking, that means they're not busy enough. So we're a little bit like small people in that regard. But we, we can solve a lot of this if we choose to be grownups. And we have to choose to look at that MLS. Go back to what you said before, Bobby, the MLS is not about bedrooms and bathrooms. The whole purpose of the MLS is to create a free marketplace. Well, a free marketplace means that I need to make my sellers look great so that every buyer wants to look at that property and every agent wants to bring their buyers to my property. And I need to bring my buyers forward to that listing with the best first impression possible so that they have a chance to get their piece of the American dream. The marketplace gets muddied if the data is bad, if the property is presented poorly, if we're talking poorly about each other, because that eventually hurts our neighbors who are looking to buy and sell. Mm -hmm. And our MLS is under enough attack from the alphabet agencies in D.C. who don't even understand what it is because we're not treating it as well as we should. Every other country in the planet wants what our MLS is. They want to have a free market like ours. And, and we're treating it poorly. We, we have to do better. And in fact, you want to rebuild your relationships with your colleagues. How about you update MLS as soon as something goes under contract? And even if you're chasing signatures, put in agent remarks. I'm chasing signatures. So at least your colleagues will know that cost you like five minutes. So just stop it and quit scrolling Instagram for five seconds and update MLS instead. And maybe, just maybe, if you got your disclosures filled out before you put the listing live in MLS, you could then load them at the time of the listing. And I know that's a wild and crazy heretical thing to say, but you know, it's kind of like following the real estate commission laws and guidelines too. So 
<laughs> that's actually a really great segue. Is I guess that's what I wanted to know next is what, uh, aside from communicating with each other and taking care of one another and not being hateful toward one another, what are their professional courtesies if people completely let go by the wayside in the last oh, couple oh, of oh, years? Oh, I'll tell you what's gone by the wayside. You want to hear me tell you this? Yes. And I know nobody wants to hear it. So you can call me a stick in the mud, a fuddy-duddy, all you want. <laughs> Y'all need to dress professionally when you are conducting professional real estate. Now, if you want to wear yoga pants and a t-shirt that's 14 sizes too big, then you do that at your house when you are not with clients. I have a client and I will tell you, she's one of my friend clients. So I don't let many of my clients become close friends because I really have enough people in my life. And so I love her. I love her husband. I love her kids. Her son's graduation announcement sits right here on my desk because he's basically my baby. And so right here, love this family. They sold their house. They didn't have a little ring doorbell on it. They had, they just had like a, you know, doorbell that you mash and it makes a sound. And so she works from home. She's an entrepreneur. When a showing was scheduled, she would just scurry across the street to the neighbor's house and she's looking out the window at showings. And I get a phone call and I said, hey, T, what you doing? And she's like, somebody's in my house. I'm like, yeah, girl, you had a showing appointment. You approved it. We're good. She's like, they've been in there for 30 minutes. I said, they're probably at the kitchen table writing an offer. She's like, I think they're having sex. And I'm like, this is a bit of a jump. So what just a, just a bit <laughs> he said i think they're having sex in my house i need you to find out i was like i need you to i need you to to quit staring at your showings and so i hang up the phone and i called the buyer's agent because as a fiduciary for my seller i need to do the investigation so i called the showing agent and i've known her for a long time and i said hey girl hey it's lee brown over here at one community and she's like hey i'm showing you a listing I'm like yeah yeah i'm aware so um just need to know if you're having sex in the house right now it's like oh my god i can't believe you asked me that i'm like i'm a messenger asking the question from my seller i can't believe you would ask me i'm like she's just want, she wants to make sure and she's like oh my god i can't believe she was so mad right and she confirmed that they were not having sex. And so I called T back and I was like, they're not having sex in your house. And she's like, well, that's good. And I was like, all right, so you need to um, not, please don't stare at showings anymore. And so a couple of days later, the agent called me back and she's like, I can't believe this. And I said, listen, here's why she asked me that. She said you were wearing a skin tight, low cut t-shirt with your boobs hanging out. And you had on skin tight blue jeans with holes in them and that the man you were with was dressed pretty fun too. And so she didn't think anybody in that situation looked like a professional realtor. Dang. And, and her response to me was, well, he's my friend and we were going to a concert. We're going to meet up with his wife later. I'm like, you can tell me that all day long. I feel you. You can be the most competent, professional, knowledgeable realtor on the planet. But if somebody from the outside looking at you can't tell which one of you is the realtor, then Houston, we have a problem. I said, honey, all you have to do is have a blazer in the back of your car. If you'd have thrown a blazer on top of that T-shirt, then she would have made the assumption that one of you was a realtor. And so it took her two more days to call me back. And she finally called me. She's like, all right, I think I, I, think I see your point. So it, it took her about a week to get off being mad at me. Because mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to be ugly. I was literally calling to ask a question. And there was a whole reason to it. And so if I go back to professional dress, realtors love to argue with me about this. They're like, but I'm friends with my clients and I'm cool. And we're... No, if you're in friend mode, you're in friend mode. But if you are in professional realtor mode and you're going to guide somebody on financing and terms and timeframes and deposits and inspections, appraisals, DOT, 
flood zones, all the things that realtors are engaged in, you should be on a different plane from where they are. So it doesn't mean that you have to wear a three-piece suit and, you know, Jimmy Choo heels. But honestly, if you're in Miami, you probably do. In Kansas City, you probably don't, but you shouldn't wear blue jeans that have holes in it. You wear your good Wranglers with a nice little starch press crease in it. Because I know when I lived in Iowa, there were certain dealers that I met with. I had to have my creased Wranglers on versus my everyday Dockers, right? So you you do dress to your audience, but you elevate it. And, and we have a, an obligation to that because we expect the public to treat us as professionals. Realtors say this all the time. We need to raise the bar. We need to be seen as professionals. I don't want to work 24-7. I'm valuable, blah, blah, blah. And then you go out dressed like you're mm -hmm. going to have sex in somebody else's house. And so ask yourself what you're wearing. Would you wear that on a first date? You should absolutely wear first date clothes. Do you look your best so that they understand that you have chosen to bring the best of yourself to represent them? When you dress down, you're not even investing the time to be the best version. How in the world would they trust you with this offer to purchase, with structuring this so that it makes sense to them? Do they trust your CMA? Now, if it's the third time you've been with them and you did have to run over and meet them and you had the dog at the kennel and it was a last minute showing, I feel you, but your clients might know that you are a professional. What does the rest of the world think? And whether you agree with me or not, third-party perception is reality. Well, we'll take a Ron Phipps quote and slightly change it. Are they getting the best of you or are they getting the rest of you? You know, what, what are we, what are we bringing forth? That's, that's a little change that was with your family. He's talking about priorities, right. but, it's, but priorities. It's, it still could work. What are, what are people getting from you? What's left over or the best version of yourself that you have to bring forward? So for I anybody to listening who says you don't have the money, this dress came from 6pm.com. That's the Zappos outlet. I buy cheap. I Marshall's. I used to go to Steinmark, God rest their souls. But you don't have to spend a lot to look like you know what you're doing. So I'm just going to point out that that's an excuse. And you probably could stop buying that nasty burn taste in Starbucks for a month and have enough to buy a decent blazer. I'm just going to add that in. Mm -hmm. No, and I, I get some decent dresses from Amazon, $20 dresses all day long. And I get compliments on them. And, oh, you know, I'm scared of Amazon clothes. So you have oh, to ask me on that because I'll send you some links. Here. I got some good ones. All right. We're running at the end of our time. I want to be respectful to you. But the last question we always end with is what else? What else should we have asked you? What else should we be talking about? What else do you want our listeners to know? What else your listeners should know is that right now is this beginning of a new market. And this is the market of the skill set realtor. Mm -hmm. So the realtor who has chosen to go improve their skills to go dust off the skills from the past, or if you're an early career realtor, now is the time to build a relationship with one of us old guard, whether it's your broker or a mentor. It is time to take ABR, SIPs, at-home with diversity, CRS, CCIM, ALC classes. Go take classes right now because your peers are going to sit back and wait for the market to tell them what to do. How about you go gather as much information as possible and get in front of any change the market can bring? Because whether the market goes up, down, or sideways, a skilled realtor will always be valuable to the public because until every neighbor in every zip code has had the opportunity to chase the American dream, our work's not done. Preach. Amen. Lee, you are amazing. You're, you are you're amazing. So awesome. We're so lucky to have had you on this episode. We Thank are. you so much for being with us today. Thank it's my you. honor. And then you just tell old Kip Cooper, he needs to get off his 
uh, boring little lazy chair and get me invited back out to visit again. So if you've enjoyed this conversation, go call Kip Cooper on his personal cell phone right now and tell him to invite me back. Would y'all like his cell phone number? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, instead of giving us Kip's cell phone number, do you want to plug your podcast really quick? You've got a podcast of your own. Well, my podcast is called Crazy Shit in Real Estate. And I called it that so I could get the little <laughs> black box with the E on it because I am a goody two shoes. And so that's my way of being fun and explicit. And it's honestly a thinly veiled play on professionalism because I talk about with realtors who get into really oddball situations, how they come through the other side and what it means to the public to have somebody who understands all the different angles of real estate. So that's my, my fun little project. And of course, any realtor who needs any help with training and tips and stuff, I post videos on all my channels in my desperate efforts to give you something to lean on. And then hopefully it will cause you to have a good conversation with your broker because AYB is my answer for most of your questions. Ask your broker, please. Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Lee. We appreciate you. And we will talk to Kip and we'll get you back in Kansas City because it's it's long overdue. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>